Want to learn more about Ahrefs? Check out their blog or YouTube channel for step-by-step -step SEO tutorials. And their seven-day trial is only $7. So head over to ahrefs.com and sign up now. For instance, when looking at competitors, you can see the pages and content that send them the most traffic. You can find out exactly which keywords they're ranking for and which backlinks are helping them out. And then from there, you can either replicate or improve on their strategies to make yourself even stronger. Our sponsor for the show is Optio, who makes managing Google Ads accounts simple and efficient. It automates time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on strategic and creative work. Whether you work at an agency with a large number of accounts or you're a freelancer responsible for a smaller portfolio, Optio can save you time and make life that little bit easier. To learn more and get a six-week free trial of Optio, go to optio.com slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot com slash S-E-J. Welcome to the Search Engine Journal Show. Thank you for joining us. I'm Danny Goodwin, Executive Editor of Search Engine Journal. Today we've got a very special episode for you. Uh, Stay-at-home orders as a result of COVID-19 have forced a lot of businesses to go virtual pretty much overnight. And that means some people are in totally uncharted territory with employees working from home and having to manage a remote team. Today we've got a great panel assembled to talk openly and honestly about how to adapt your existing business to go virtual. We'll outline some best practices learned over 11 years of trial and error running a 100% remote company. And that company is Alpha Brand Media, the, the parent company of Search Engine Journal. So uh, we'll bring in our panel now and get started. Uh, my guest today will be Janice Henriksen, the CEO of Alpha Brand Media. And you can find her on Twitter at It's Denise, that's D-U-H-N-I-S-E. Lauren Baker, founder of Search Engine Journal and co-founder of Foundation Digital. He is on uh, Twitter at Lauren Baker. And Brent Satoris, who is a partner at Search Engine Journal. And you can find him on Twitter at Brent Satoris. So I figured the best way to sort of kick this off uh, is talk a little bit about origin stories for everybody. Uh, and obviously, Lauren Baker is known as being the founder of Search Engine Journal. So maybe, Lauren, uh, you could kick us off a little bit, uh, giving your background of um, you know launching Search Engine Journal uh, and how it sort of has evolved over the years and just sort of maybe your background a little bit in doing remote work. Sure. Thanks, Danny. And thanks for having us. <laughs> So Search Engine Journal has been a virtual company since its infancy. Um, when I started SEJ in 2003, I was living in Brazil at the time and uh, working out of my house there. Um, the domain was registered at the kitchen table and I started blogging on uh, Google's blogging platform from a desk in my bedroom. And uh, it's been a virtual company ever since. As it's evolved over the years, of course, that has uh, changed quite a bit with the, uh, you know, with having staff and, and writers and um, uh, leadership under uh, CEO and, and things like that. But it's always been a uh, virtual company, um, just like most of the agencies that I've worked in as well. And I've always, uh, we've always kept it that way. Um, You'd ask a little bit about my, my background um, with working from home and, and things like that. 
I was thinking about this when uh, these lockdowns began, and um, I've been in internet marketing since 1999. Over that time, over the past 21 years, I've worked in an office space for two years, right? So I've either worked from home or from an office which was in walking distance from my home. Now, I did have a hiatus where I taught English abroad for a couple of years, but even then I was living in an apartment right next to the classroom. So the ability to work from home or to work very close to home um, has been something that I've naturally done over this time, and I quite enjoy it. Now, for the two years that I wasn't doing that, where I was commuting or driving into an office environment, I say for me personally, I wasn't at the best of my um, productivity because uh, the uh, working from home and working virtually is really my comfort zone, and it's even been so since the days of dial-up internet. Awesome. Thanks, Lauren. Uh, let's bring in Brent now, uh, because Brent has actually been here second longest uh, in the company. Uh, 11 years, I believe, Brent. So tell me a little bit about how you got involved uh, in SEJ uh, back then and sort of maybe your history as well uh, with working remotely. Absolutely. Well, thanks you know, again for having me on the show and uh, uh, happy to kind of talk about this. It's something that, you know, like Lauren, my almost my entire career has been remote. Um, I actually, uh, just to kind of clarify, Janice and I both have been kind of involved in SEJ about the same amount of time. Um, I, I helped co-found Alpha Brand Media, which ended up acquiring Search Engine Journal. Um, and so that's kind of where I get a little bit of extra time there. But essentially, okay. um, you know, when I joined Search Engine Journal, it was through an acquisition. It was a site that was, you know, um, kind of, you know, doing its own thing. At the, you know, it wasn't quite what it was today, <laughs> to put it, you know, politely. Uh, it was, you know, a time period when most of us, you know, Lauren and myself and Janice had other projects that were ongoing. And so it just really didn't get a lot of the attention initially. Um, but, you know, that has changed over time. And and all of that change has really come from working remotely. Um, my background, I mean, I got into, you know, I had a lot of different careers before I got into, um, you know, digital marketing. Uh, but when I started digital marketing, I definitely um, was constantly remote. You know, I was always working from home. I had um, always kind of, you know, when I got into search marketing, probably what, like um, 15, yeah, what was it, 2006? So I don't even know what that is, 15, 14 years now, 14 years. Um, I was working from home right from that start. Like when I got into it, I was working from home. And so I'd never really worked in an office. Um, even when I was doing Blue Glass and we had that whole thing and they had the office uh, up in Tampa, uh, I had never actually worked in the office then either. So, and I think it's actually a blessing for me because I talk a lot. Um, and uh, every time I'm in an office, visiting an office or, you know, uh, going to an office for any reason, I tend to talk more than I work. Um, so that's, uh, you know, a, a blessing for me to work from home. But I've I've actually found it. I have a, a number of things that I have put into my routine that have made working from home super effective. Um, and I feel like it for me personally, and for a lot of people that, you know, truly transform into true, you know, really working from, because there's a difference between saying I'm working from home a little bit and I quote unquote work from home, right? Mm -hmm. That's, just to be clear that there's a distinction between that. And when you're just working from home a little bit, you'll go sit on the couch or wander around the house and kind of do whatever you want, get easily distracted. When you work from home, I would say the first three to four months was really difficult for me. I found productivity to be low. Mm -hmm. um, but then I started implementing things like dressing up for work, you know, like actually having a work location, um, you know, having like little things that kind of 
made it more real. And over time, I, I think, like I said, about three or four months, it became normal for me. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks, Brent. And now we'll bring in Janice. Uh, Janice, I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, you getting started with Search Engine Journal. And also, did you have um, history uh, working from home before you started with Search Engine Journal? So that was really interesting for me, actually. So I've worked with Lauren and Brent for 11 years now. And um, I knew, you know, I thought I knew their backstory, but I, I learned something new today. And that's um, I have spent half of my career, um, not the not the entirety, but half of my career um, working from home. I started out uh, in tech. Um, I live in uh, San Francisco Bay Area, which is you know, of course, a hub for that kind of thing. And I've worked for startups. I've worked for companies that started as a startup and went public and grew to 5,000 employees. And um, I was able to work from home at times, but like Brett was saying, it's not quite the same um, as mm -hmm. actually having a position um, where you're 100% work from home. So in 2007, um, I quit the corporate world and um, I was going to go back, uh, but my husband um, had started up a side business with websites and monetizing them with AdSense. And, you know, they produced some content, they were blogs mostly, and asked if I was interested in taking over. So I did. Um, and one of the things I was worried about actually was the idea of working from home. I like the idea of not having a commute and having to dress up every day. Um, but I thought maybe I would miss interaction because. I would think I, I think I'm pretty social, you know. I would always go out for lunch with friends. We'd go for drinks afterwards. We'd always, you know, take a coffee break here and there. I really enjoyed the in-person interaction, and I knew that working from home, um, especially on websites where the people that I had working for me were all over the world, um, you know, was I going to go stir crazy working from home? And it turns out, uh, I loved it. Never looked back. And I think that's because over time, you know, and having and getting to work with folks who already were in that space, working from home, making it work, you know, how do you combat loneliness? How do you collaborate working with guys like Lauren and Brent, um, who were already doing it before I was, I think was a big help, um, something I hadn't really thought about before. So thanks to both of you. Um, but yeah, I, I've been doing it for 13 years since and um, never look back. I have lots of friends still in the corporate world, go to work every day. Um, and, you know, it's cool to see them go out to happy hour with, you know, coworkers that they like and um, to have that, to have that uh, interaction. But, you know, I think we found great ways to replace that, stay connected um, and be effective at work. Um, but all while I'm in my mop slippers and PJ sometimes uh, working from home. <laughs> Yep, that's definitely one of the advantages of working from home. So that, that segues perfectly into my first question here for you guys. So for you, what are the biggest advantage, uh, biggest advantages of doing, uh, you know, creating a 100% virtual business? Um, Janice, if you want to maybe kick us off with that discussion. Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is a flexible schedule. So, you know, I can do things... Um, in the middle of the day when maybe other other people are mostly at work or at school. So, you know, I can make that two o'clock doctor's appointment. Um, I can go run that errand uh, at 1130 and I don't have to hit the bank with everybody else at noon. 
um, or be stuck in rush hour at five, you know, trying to fill up the gas tank type of thing. And so I think the flexibility in the schedule um, is what really appeals to me. It does mean that, you know, I might knock some tasks out for work on a Sunday afternoon because I have the time. Um, or maybe I'll be answering some emails, you know, before I go to bed. And that's the trade-off, but I love the trade-off because it gives me, again, the freedom to do things when I need to do them. And also, when other people aren't. So if I need to go into the store, I don't have to go when everybody else is in there. Um, I don't have to uh, worry about trying to get an appointment um, at a time when everybody else is also trying to get that appointment time because they're tied to a nine to five sort of schedule. And so that's kind of what the first thing that comes to mind for me as far as what do I like best about this lifestyle? And it is a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. uh, Brent or Lauren, do you want to jump in with your thoughts? I'll jump in. Uh, okay. You know, one of the things I think, I, I think that, you know, when we talk about the benefits of a company, I think there's, you know, there's been a ton of studies out there. I mean, you can look at a lot of the studies, for instance, for the four day work weeks or the four hour, you know, like uh, some of the concepts of like um, four day work weeks or um, what is it? 30 hour work weeks. Um, and, and looking at how much of the time that people spend at work is spent doing other things um, and, and commuting the amount of time that is spent commuting, the amount of money and costs that are spent commuting and going into the workplace. I think that in general, um, it's really cost effective um, for companies to be remote and to work from home. I think the biggest challenge is we look at kind of like, why do we not do that already, right? So there's concepts of like, you know, how, you know, we, we want to be able to communicate with coworkers, right? You want to be able to walk in a room and talk to somebody elaborately. You want to be able to share creative concepts to show them something and have them look over your shoulder and see like, you know, a design you're working on or a product that you're working on. And that was very limited in the past. And so you needed to have people in an office. You needed to have people come together in order to have these kind of accountability for one and also that kind of creative workspace. But we have so many screen sharing tools. We have Skype, we have, you know, Zoom, we have GoToMeeting, we have, you know, a bunch of collaborative devices like, you know, Google Docs or Dropbox and all these other solutions that allow us to have that same level of creativity. So I think, you know, um, we've kind of been pushing towards this kind of remote working work from home world for for many years. But it's the, the, the thing that holds us back from that is more... Um, historic beliefs more than it is the, the ability to do that. Um, so I think, you know, from a, from a standpoint of, you know, looking at Search Engine Journal, the ability for our people to be remote has allowed for them, you know, to really have a quality of life. Like, you know, as Janice mentioned, the ability to go and hit a doctor's appointment without necessarily having to worry about, you know, whether or not you're taking off work and commuting and dealing with traffic. All of these things reduce people's stress. And most of the studies, sorry, I'll, I'll wrap it up real quick, but most of the studies that really look at what motivates people to work hard for a company, it really comes from feeling happy at the company you're with, feeling in control of your life. These are some of the top reasons that people stay with a company and why they become productive are, are happiness and, and control of their work schedule and their work in general. And I think that remote allows you to provide that to your employees in a really great way. Yep. Absolutely. Warren? Yeah. So like, just to add to that, I also think that one of the biggest um, benefits of remote or having virtual companies is the lack of geographic restrictions. So, um, and that, that works in, in a multitude of ways. Like, first of all, at SEJ, we have people from all over the world, right? 
um, whether it's Europe, uh, Canada, um, all over the U.S., Philippines. I'm probably missing a couple places as well. Um, but um, we've been able to really recruit outside of the lines that are usually drawn when you're dedicated to a specific working space. And you know, when, when I had worked in office spaces previously, you kind of you kind of uh, give the place those restrictions upon yourself to justify things like leasing agreements, overhead, internet costs, electricity, mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, the ability to take that away really opens up to your the world of talent that uh, you're able to attract and grow. Um, and then on the flip side too, like you know, with SEJ, like I said, like I started it when I lived in Brazil, and then after that I lived in Japan, and then after that. I lived in Maryland, and then Florida, and then California. So <clears throat> having one virtual company or many virtual companies also from a management perspective and a work perspective gives you the ability to not geographically restrict yourself, right? So like, um, you know, if you get sick of living somewhere or you find there's opportunity somewhere else, or, or even if you want to take a long vacation and travel through, um, the French Riviera for three weeks, you have the ability to do so. You have the ability to go down to Colombia and, and live. And it's just a question of, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, how you restrict yourself and then also holding yourself accountable to things like managing multiple time zones or making sure that the other people that live in your house know when you're working and know when you're not, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of benefits on that side, but you know, from an accountability perspective, it's very difficult for me to tell people when I'm in my office that I'm working if I'm in here like watching ESPN or, or Facebook or something, right? So like, if 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 I'm doing something like that, I have to let the people that I live with know when I'm working and when I'm not, and then hold myself to that as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, great. So yeah, we've obviously talked just a little bit about some of the advantages. So I was curious though, are there any disadvantages? Uh, that you guys have seen over the years that, you know, you know, made you maybe think, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we had an office um, or just anything like that? Yeah, I think that, you know, one of the biggest challenges um, is that not everybody is is made to work from home. I mean, it, it really, in order to work from home and be effective working from home, you have to be honest and accountable to yourself. And uh, let's be honest, a lot of people aren't. Um, and so... Not a, I've pretty much had to hire five to 10 people to find one that can really work from home and be on their own and kind of, you know, you can't micromanage too much when you're dealing with remote teams. You have to have the people that can really effectively fill that, that, that position while working from home and have the skill sets and have that place. So there's ways you can set that up and you can kind of help people kind of get closer to being able to accomplish that. But there's really no way to tell whether somebody's going to be good in that environment, whether uh, until you test it out, until you really kind of get that feel for it, or unless you know they have at least like a year's experience working from home. So I do think one of the disadvantages is that, you know, not everybody can live up to that role effectively. Um, and you find I've, ha I've had situations like an example where I've had somebody where I had laid out, you know, work for them. Um, they had completed it in a day and I thought it would take a week and they didn't do anything for four days. And then I was like, well, what did you do this week? And we're like, well, I finished that stuff up on Monday. And then I was like, well, what did you do for the rest of the week? Oh, nothing. 
I didn't have any tasks, right? Mm. So you don't you don't have a way to like look at somebody and see, hey, this person's just sitting there playing on Facebook. You have to, you know, kind of, you know, uh, give them the benefit of the doubt and hope they come through. And again, there's ways of testing that, right? So now when I when I interview, you know, I, I have tests right from the initial communication. I leave communication hanging and wait for them to come back and follow up, so I know that they're proactive, right? There's like proactivity tests that you can do to kind of determine if somebody's truly um, proactive and productive. And, and, and that's what you kind of have to look for in that early stage. But that's the only disadvantage that I've personally dealt with is, is just, you know, you know, accountability. Okay. I think that every disadvantage is a window for opportunity, right? So like, um, like Janice was saying that, uh, you know, sometimes she sees that the social life, uh, social lives that people have within the workplace, right? And, um, you know, typically don't have that at home. Now, one thing we're seeing with these lockdowns is, is things like, uh, you know, Zoom uh, meetups and Zoom happy hours and, and things like that. But I think that if someone really does want to have that uh, additional social life, especially if they're like living in a city where they may not know people and things like that. Like one thing that I did when I moved to LA seven years ago was I, I really didn't know very many people. I knew about five people out here. So the first thing that I did was I started doing an SEO meetup and um, blasting that locally. And at first, maybe 10 people showed up, then 20, then 40, then 60. And what it did was it gave me the ability to connect with like-minded people mm -hmm. that live in this area. And also, in addition to making those social connections, also make business connections, right? Mm. So little things like that, like getting yourself out there. Um <clears throat> attending those meetups if you don't want to hold them yourself um, or uh, looking to see what kind of uh, uh, social meetups or social things are happening online uh, really helps um, in that matter, especially from, from the, uh, from the social life aspect, which may be missed if you're, if you're working from home. But I, I agree um, <clears throat> Brent that, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks aren't necessarily good at working from home or a but I'd also like to add that a lot of people don't know what it's like to work without someone looking over their shoulder. They don't know what it's like to work um, where they're making their own time. They don't know what it's like to work when, you know, uh, uh, maybe they finish something early and they have to do something next. And they don't know what it's like to do when they're sitting around and they see that there's a, you know, a soccer game on and a beer in the fridge and it's 11 o'clock. And they're like, well, you know, no one's going to tell me no. Uh, I, think, I think people have kind of been programmed to work in environments where a lot of typical things are shut off and maybe we'll see a big change from what we're going through now where those that weren't comfortable working from home previously do go do grow comfortable and they look for alternatives and uh, working for different virtual companies in the future. Great. Uh, Janice, did you have any disadvantages that sort of stick out in your mind? You know, I think I would build on what Lauren and Brent were saying, and I think it all ties back to, um, you know, isolation. And, you know, now with COVID, we're all literally being isolated in place. And if you're not used to working from home, I mean, you don't have those built-in ways that you know to reach out to people to sort of get your, your social interaction in um, or your team uh, wasn't really, you know, in terms of your culture or how you worked in an office when you needed to 
collaborate, when you needed to help solve a problem, when you just wanted a little bit of a, a nudge or, you know, talk about, um, you know, the game last night and you don't have those channels available to you anywhere because you're no longer in that cube or in the open workspace or in an office next to your, your coworker. Um, I think we're talking about loneliness and that comes out of isolation. And so I think as a team, as a company leader, um, or at, even as someone who's, you know, an independent contractor, um, it's up to us to find ways to either facilitate for your team or for yourself, um, ways out of feeling isolated. And so um, encouraging and find, well, you know, from a top-down perspective, how were, how were employees com communicating before? You know, were they, you know, uh, more in person and how, and talk, talk to them. Don't just impose everybody's going to use Slack from now on and think that the problem's solved. That is a great tool that many companies um, have been using and um, are adopting today because they're needing to replicate this workplace interaction remotely. Um, but don't think that you just have to buy an account and your employees are going to figure it out or that, you know, your clients or whoever you're using to work with uh, together um, are going to figure it out, you know. Um, and I think that involves collaboration to figure out what's the new way forward and how we solve problems, come up with solutions and, you know, implement those solutions going forward. And it could be a big change for people who are, you know, who have been in an office and highly collaborative or, you know, lots of interactions, but have, are used to doing it in a face-to-face -face format. Maybe it's something like adopting uh, Google Hangouts um, or using Zoom, um, you know, and not just telling people that your door is always open, your virtual door is always open. They can always reach out to you. You may think that mm -hmm. you have that policy in place or that you told people um, enough times that they should feel like, feel comfortable in reaching out to you. You know, but that's a that's that's requiring them to be proactive and also having to weigh. Well, people say that you can reach out to me anytime, but they don't really mean it. Mm -hmm. If you were to reach out to somebody, you know, too many times, they get sick of you, and so they really have to think about. Well, who is it that I'm going to reach out to and quote bother? Um, so setting up those channels are important. So they have the conduits to reach each other, but also being proactive and setting up weekly touch points or regular touch points, doesn't have to be weekly, but we have team calls once a week, which I think are really helpful for everybody to literally get synced and stay on the same page. What are the mandates? What are the goals? What are the things that we're working working on and worried about this week as a group? Mm -hmm. And then to have one-on-ones you know, on a regular basis with your manager and have those set up as standing meetings. So not only do they know they could reach out to you anytime, but they know that they have a standing call in which they can bring up maybe the sort of things they're worried about might be too trivial to bring up, but you know they do kind of want to run past you. They know they have a regular forum to do that. I think it's also really important to help combat isolation, loneliness, and keep up that team connection, which I think is one of the things that becomes at risk when you move from you know being able to see each other every day and go to lunch together and get in a meeting room or jump into somebody's office or poke mm -hmm. your head up over a cue wall. Mm -hmm.
Absolutely. Um, and one, one quick comment, oh, sure. uh, just to kind of wrap, you know, for anybody listening. I mean, I think one of the things to really take away from this is that like um, working from home is is bigger than just working from home. And so you really want to read mm -hmm. some articles, look at some of the practices, evaluate how people have been doing things and think about, you know, your conversations, your platforms, your your workflows and work, you know, spaces in the home. And don't just look at this as some something, you know, minor. This is probably going to be a cultural shift with being locked down for you know an indefinite period of time is that people are going to learn how to work from home they're going to get good at it they're going to get productive they're going to have their space and th this this very well could become a norm or become a stronger mm -hmm. norm yeah. um, once businesses learn that they can operate without that fifteen thousand a month rent on that little office they're not going to go pay that rent anymore you know right. so um, definitely take it and, and think about it and, and read some articles. There's tons of people that have talked and done podcasts like this one um, over the years before this was even an issue. So definitely take the time to really think through um, this entire process and make it something, you know, strong for your business or for yourself uh, for, for the future. Another thing to think about, too, is that more traditional companies have been adopting things like work from home Friday or maybe work from home on Mondays and Fridays, things like that, which especially like, you know, 20 somethings, 30 somethings have kind of grown accustomed to. Um, but at the same time, uh, given again, this uh, COVID pandemic, we're gonna have a global generation of school kids, 18 and under, that have gotten a taste of this too. Like personal example, my son's teacher sent a bulletin the other day saying that, look, our kids don't have to study at home seven hours a day. They only really study at school 1.5 hours a day. My thought process is that, man, teachers shouldn't tell us that because we're sending their kids to school for seven hours and they're only studying for an hour and a half. Like, like my efficiency gears, yeah, my efficiency, yeah, I want my tax money back. My efficiency gears start spinning in my head, right? And I'm like, huh. Um, and then again, like, we're like, what is it? We're a month in, at least in the state of California. We're probably looking at three, four months here, yeah. right? At the minimum. Like, we're talking about a global generation of kids that are going to not want to go back and or are going to be like, well, you know what? If I can do this, if I can study from home, I can go to college from home, I can do everything else. Why do I have to go into an office space with cheap fluorescent lighting and ugly gray cubicles? <laughs> Like, I, I, I the appeal to work virtually is going to be so there. And in the same way that we have, I guess, my generation now having a difficult time adopting from working in an office to working at home, it's going to be the exact opposite when this generation is expected to go into an office. Mm -hmm. So just something to think about. Absolutely. And yeah, and obviously for a virtual business to succeed, you need to have the right tools. So I know Janice and Brent have both mentioned a few tools already um, that are kind of important, but I'd love to go through uh, through that with each one of you. Uh, maybe Lauren, if you want to kick us off, um, what are some tools that you think are just essential for any company that wants to uh, do this thing right? Well, first of all, some kind of a video conferencing tool, right? Like um, at, at SEJ, we use GoTo. At my agency, Foundation Digital, we use uh, Google Hangouts. 
Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my clients use Slack, uh, like Janice said. Most of them use it incorrectly and don't thread anything. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, um, a lot of uh, people use Slack. I, I think at the end of the day, I know with myself, like I've been, I went ahead and I bought a new webcam. Um, I bought uh, some lighting, some little O lights to put around my desk when I'm doing uh, when I'm doing presentations or whatnot to make uh, everything look better. Um, from a tool perspective, you know, I, I would say that things like taking fullest advantage of Google Calendar. Um, I'd also say things like you know making sure that when you're not at work, you have your Do Not Disturb set up on your phone. Mm. Uh, that you're not getting notifications, things like that. So it's kind of the opposite of, of your question. Mm-hmm. But uh, we have an array of tools that make working from home to be efficient from a work perspective. But if you really want to get that balance, the ability to turn those tools off at the end of the day mm-hmm. is quite important. Yes. Uh, Brent, do you have any other tools that you would recommend uh, for companies that want to do this? Yeah, I mean, I I think that, you know, as Lauren said, there's there's conferencing tools. Absolutely. Um, One of the other things that I think is really important and people don't realize is important until almost too late is really controlling ownership of files and file locations. When you're working remote, Mm -hmm. everybody's working on their home computers and for the most part you you know when you worked from home from a company or from a government type of agency they give you a computer hey take this home and then hey i'm sorry you're leaving the company you've decided to move on or we had to let you go give us back our laptop and i have all the files right um a lot of times with remote working you know when they're truly working from home they have their own system right they're, they're working on their own laptop their own desktop and those files are on their system um, and, and a lot of times people don't think about like putting them in the right places. They're just downloading to the downloads folder, you know, those reports and and they just kind of sit on their system. So one of the things that you can do is, you know, Dropbox or shared folders or Google Drive, you can, you know, have areas that are automatically backing up to a centralized you know, spot where if somebody's sick or if somebody leaves or something, you have access to those files and you have the ability to kind of see that, uh, especially with like Google Docs. um, I don't, that's what I utilize. So I don't know what the variation is, but on shared Google Docs where we're working on single documents, I can go through and see edits, things, see things when were, when were they added, when were they changed, you know, what was adjusted. Um, So I think having that ability to kind of control the files and see what's happening with them and check in on them, I think is is really important. Um, And then, you know, having some sort of, uh, you know, conferencing stuff's great, but having something like Slack, Slack allows you to have, you know, groups that are kind of fun conversations. I really like Slack for some of its stuff like the stand-up app, which is a little app that every day when you're supposed to start your shift pops in and says, hey, uh, what are the two things you're going to work on today? Or what, what is it that's a roadblock for you today? And it's an automated, you know, you know, API run, you know, kind of little app that kind of, you know, allows you to have some of those check-ins without it being a personal check-in, right? So you allow it to be the machine that's doing the, the checking and less about you as the manager or the uh, employer doing the checking. So I definitely think those two are tools. Um, I do have, I, I think we're talking just specifically about tools and things, not like processes or things to remember so much, or because I definitely have some some key things that I think really help for being more productive and, and, and having more success working from home. But I don't know if I should go into those now or later. Uh, we can save that for a little later. Absolutely, though. Yeah, we should get back to that. Uh, Janice, did you have any other tools that uh, you found to be really helpful uh, for Search Engine Journal? 
Yeah, I, I think, and I think the overall theme for that is a bias for online collaboration. So everybody uses, you know, something to write up a document and, you know, everybody uses something to write a PowerPoint or a spreadsheet in. And I would say move to online versions of those of those tools. You know, somebody sent me, I work, I started working with somebody new recently, not within the company, but on a different project. And uh, they sent me a Word doc. And my first thought, it, you know, as an email attachment, and I thought my first thought was, why? You know, because it was meant to be collaborative. Like she wanted to show me a draft and I wanted to add edits, but in the way, the traditional way of, you know, her sending me attachment and me sending her another attachment, you get you get caught in this. Well, who has the latest version? And mm -hmm. you know we can't look at the same version of the doc at the same time. Why not use Google Docs uh, instead? Um, and the reason she, I come to find out, loved to use um, you know standalone offline versions of documents is because her method of collaboration is in person. So she prints things out. She will print out that doc, bring it to you, and while we're working together at a table to go over the stock, that's her preferred method of collaboration. And so nudging that person to go online and see, you know, maybe, and a, there's a bit of handholding there. Here's a link to the doc. Now you can see it online. Now you see me on there too. Watch, I'm gonna edit this line and you can watch me do it. And you can say whether or not you like that or not. And we can collaborate on the fly, on the phone, virtually in real time without this trading of versions of um, static docs. Um, so I would say in everything that you do, when it's when it comes to communication, when it comes to sharing information, there should always be a bias for online collaboration and the small things, task-related things that you do to the bigger decisions about what platform to use. Um, and I would say another tool that would be key to promoting that is project management, uh, a project management platform such as Asana, such as Basecamp. They're really easy to pick up. Um, they have great interfaces for the most part and pretty reasonably priced. You know, they're typically oriented for, you know, small to medium sized businesses. Uh, it, we would be dead in the water without something like that. Everything would just be in email threads and, in, you know, different places and, you know, using a project management platform to pull it all together so people can see um, at any given point in time, what's the status of a campaign or a copy or a task that someone's asked somebody else to do. We drive all the activity that we can that's task oriented or project oriented towards um, using that platform versus stranding something. And, you know, I have a bad habit of firing up an email asking somebody to do something. I need to get in a better habit of putting that task and ask in our project management platform. Um, so it's all in one place. So driving good habits and decisions and usage uh, for online co collaboration, I think is key to moving from a physical workplace to a virtual one. Want to learn more about Ahrefs? Check out their blog or YouTube channel for step-by-step -step SEO tutorials. And their seven-day trial is only $7. So head over to A-H-R-E-F-S. 
www.ssmbs.com and sign up now. For instance, when looking at competitors, you can see the pages and content that send them the most traffic. You can find out exactly which keywords they're ranking for and which backlinks are helping them out. And then from there, you can either replicate or improve on their strategies to make yourself even stronger. Our sponsor for the show is Optio, who makes managing Google Ads accounts simple and efficient. It automates time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on strategic and creative work. Whether you work at an agency with a large number of accounts or you're a freelancer responsible for a smaller portfolio, Optio can save you time and make life that little bit easier. To learn more and get a six-week free trial of Optio, go to optio.com slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot com slash S-E-J. Absolutely. And I just want to draw attention. We have actually a page with way more tools that we use uh, on searchenginejournal.com slash toolbox. Um, so you can also check that out because, you know, we could go on and on about tools. But uh, we'll actually move on now um, because I was curious uh, from a leadership standpoint, because obviously the three of you are in charge of uh, strategy and keeping the business running. So how do you all get together and make decisions, uh, you know, where you're all located in different places? What What's sort of the process for you, for you all to work together? Well, there's the three of us and we're in two different time zones. So me and Lauren are in California and uh, Brent's in Florida. So um, in terms of time zone differences, uh, not not that big of a deal. Um, you know, <laughs> before I answer, how about Brent and Lauren, you guys uh, go first. I want to see what you have to say. <laughs> so, so I think that one thing that's really important um, is that we ultimately have a lot of respect for each other. Um, mm -hmm. We we um, we don't come into any conversations thinking we're right. We come into conversations with ideas and we listen to each other and we try to understand that it's not about one of us getting our way. It's about the three of us coming together with, uh, you know, a, a strategy or a decision that we can all live with and we think is the best thing for our company. Um, another thing that we all share, and I and I know this is kind of a sappy thing and it might be, it might sound kind of, you know, silly for, you know, some people out there, but we're really focused on um, the people in our company being very happy and supported. Um, you know, we, you know, even Danny, you, you yourself, I, I put a task in that caused somebody in our company to have to work really, really late um, because of time zone differences. And I felt really bad about that. So me and Danny talked and we went through and we, we changed the entire process of how I was working on something just to make sure that person wouldn't have to stay up late. And, and, and work again. So we, we really do focus a lot of our decision making on what's best for our audience, what's best for our company, what's best for our employees. And we really try to you know, work together to come to a consensus on what we think works. So I, I think that, that our case, we get along really well, we respect each other, and we're very mature where I have been in partnerships or worked in other environments where that's not the case. And so I think we're kind of a little bit spoiled in the fact that we work so well together where you know, the real skill sets that are going to come in, into play for people that might be listening are when you're dealing with people who don't necessarily work well together. And unfortunately, um, I don't really know because of how spoiled we are with each other. Yeah, it's funny, like, um, you know, over the past 11 years, we've been through many different experiences uh, with each other. 
right? Like we've been through the fire, came out on the other end. Um, and uh, Brent, like I've worked with Brent previously, not only in the agency side, but also like before like SEJ, um, before Alpha Brand was involved with SEJ, we had worked on projects previously, things like that. Also, like I think I was just thinking about this while, while you guys were talking is that we're all at very similar life stages. Um, we're all parents, right? Um, we, uh, we, we all are kind of in the same, we're all in the same age group, more or less. And, um, we all have like similar hobbies and similar interests at the same time. So it's just like, kind of, it helps. Um, it helps, especially from an understanding standpoint. Like if someone's working from home, like I, I've told a lot of people this that have asked me for working from home tips. And the first thing I'll tell them is, look, don't freak out if your kid runs in the office while you're on a call. Don't freak out if the dog barks or if the doorbell rings. Don't be uptight about that. Because first of all, right now, everyone's doing it, right? So we've all seen the uh, the BBC video of the kid running in the report <laughs> journalist's office oh, yeah. during uh, live on the news and everything. And the the best part is the mom. And the guy, the like, best pretending. part is the mom. Yeah. She's trying so hard to grab those kids. Yeah. <laughs> And the guy's like pretending it's not happening, right? It's just like keeping a straight face and everything else. And like, we've all been there, right? Like, don't get freaked out about that stuff. So in our case, we all have very similar, we're all in a very similar place in our life. And at the same time, you know, outside of Slack and email, if something does happen on a weekend or we all have to kind of get together outside of our standing meetings or our ownership, our partnership meetings or whatnot, our management meetings, then we will text each other. We will email each other. We will make it the point to get together. And because we are a virtual company, we know that sometimes you have to do that. Like sometimes you get a text on the weekend saying, uh-oh, or <laughs> I have an idea, you know, and it's good mm -hmm. to chime in and we got to get something done before Monday. Let's do it. We've all been there. We're all professionals. And uh, we're all friends at the end of the day, so that kind of helps as well. Because it kind of sucks when you're when you're uh, working with someone you don't like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But even with so, all the even with all the ad hoc, I'm stuff, making it you know, work. Uh, I was getting along. Janice actually really does kind of lead our 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 trio as far as like setting the stand, you know, setting what our talking points are. So Janice actually, you know, as the CEO, does have that role where, and she can speak about that where she, you know, essentially sets. Our meetings sets the dialogue, sets the tone, um, and so and me and Lauren follow suit on that very well. So I think that there is some structure to it. Um, and Janice, maybe you can talk a little bit about that side of it. Like, how do you uh, approach that kind of structure and keeping us? Because you know, I'll talk crazy for hours. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that's why we have you on board. You know, you know, if we're talking about the context of how do we keep it going uh, in a virtual state a constant remote um where we rarely see each other you know we might be too good at it because i realized when the three of us were together uh last fall at pubcon in vegas i realized that it had been probably three years since the three of us were together in person now it didn't seem like three years because you know, we're, we make ourselves very available. 
um, to each other. So I think that's the key for being able to work virtually as partners in running a, a virtual company is that I know that if I text Lauren or if I send an email to the two of them, they're gonna respond. If they weren't responsive, um, I think that could that would be a big problem because then I'd have to try to get them on the phone or you know, um, text them a bunch of times. I know that, and they know that they can reach out to me and vice versa. And, you know, we're going to respond. We make it a priority to be there. And so there is there is a level of trust there. Um, over years of working together, we know we can count on that. I think that's key um, to be, being able to make decisions, to sharing information, um, you know, staying in communication and responding, um, you know, in an efficient and timely manner. Um, is it's the little things that count that goes towards having a working relationship where we trust each other. Um, and in terms of like the mechanics of how does that work? Well, we have a uh, bi-weekly partners only call and it's just standing. I try to send out an agenda. Sometimes I don't even set, you know, send one out, but the point is that we all get together. And even if it's just to share what, you know, the dumb things our kids did that day, um, it's a way for us to keep that bond up, um, discuss uh, tactical issues, you know, how do we, the uh, issue with workflow, something we can't solve, um, something we want to brainstorm on, or, you know, larger, more formal issues, like what are the goals for this year? You know, what are the goals we're not going to reach? What should we do um, to try to get there or perhaps modify that goal? Um, and, you know, if we're going to be honest about what works and what doesn't work, advantages and disadvantages about virtual workplace. I think one thing that we could do better, that I could do a better job with is to have more in-person, regular standing uh, meetups between the three of us. Now, there was a while there where, you know, Lauren kind of hinted at this. We, the company was really, we were managing it day by day. It was tough. We had a lot of obligations, not a lot of money coming in, and I was having to kind of move chess pieces around to make payroll. Um, you know, we're and we couldn't afford travel really at the time. Um, but now I think, you know, we're we've, we're in a much more stable and more mature place, and so I think we should be and should have been meeting in person on a regular basis. The so three of us where we can talk about the future of the company, what do we want to be in a year, two year, five years, that type of planning happens, but it's more ad hoc, it's not as formal. And I think it would be a good forcing function for us to get together in person. And it's hard to, as much as, you know, the virtual workplace, there's so many advantages. There's really nothing that replaces uh, in-person um, contact and interaction. And so being able to do that, whether it's a partner level We've had um, offsites over the years for you know the entire team or part of the team to get together. And I think those are still important to do with all the efficiencies and benefits of having a virtual workplace. You still need to you know occasionally look up and be able to see a person in front of you that you've been working with. Um, if I if I can jump in, one of the other things I want to mention um, with what Danny had said with kind of like leading. The other thing that I think we all three do really well is. Um, we'll bring in team members to the partner call from time to time and let them have their opportunity to kind of be in a closed off group with without their peers, you know, and really kind of 
um, have that opportunity to kind of present what they're working on or talk about what they're excited about. And we really do challenge, uh, you know, the employees to give us honest feedback. Like we, we don't get defensive when somebody gives us feedback. We really try to never do anything with fault. So we try to avoid, you know, saying like if somebody goes and they try a project and it fails, we say, well, what do we learn from that, right? Like how can we turn it into a learning scenario? Um, and I think that that's important from a leadership standpoint is to be caring, um, to be transparent, to to not separate yourself from them. And so a lot of these meetups and a lot of uh, these conversations are not just between the three of us, but you know, uh, also with the team. And we're very transparent with our goals and and, and what we're trying to accomplish. And and that's a big part of how we kind of lead the team and and lead the the entire project um, to be as successful as it as it has been for us um, is really you know kind of making that concerted effort to be genuinely kind and open and and and, and embracing uh, everybody on the on the team for for their values and for being a part of that team. So I think that's another aspect. I think that's important if you're thinking about leading, you know, being a leader in you know. Um, kind of a virtual environment, you know, as Janice said, being available, um, you know, being kind of friendly, making that effort. If you feel like you're not feeling super friendly with a partner, then you need to fix that. Like you guys need to, you know, find a common ground, like what's a TV show you both like, or what's a game that you both like, or what's, you know, uh, an activity that you both like, and just make an effort to kind of bond on some level because it goes a long way. Absolutely. Once Janice starts playing Fortnite, we're gonna get a lot better at that. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Um, I'm 99. I've got one more level to go, and I get gold. Uh, you get your, uh, you get your Fortnite for dummies. <laughs> so got you my first uh, win. Sorry, got my first solo. <laughs> uh, oh, nice! Victory Royale this weekend. Yep. Did you get up and dance around the room? Because that's what I did when I got my first solo kill. It was a snipe to the head. And I got up and I hollered and I screamed all over the room. Yeah, I did the dance moves emotes in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I would have liked to have seen that. <laughs> all right. So we talked a little bit there about team, obviously. So let's talk about building a team. So uh, what have you guys learned about hiring for a virtual business over the years? Are there any mistakes that you've sort of made or are there traits that, you know, people can maybe look for when they're hiring uh, for virtual roles? Anyone want to jump in on that? I have a, so there's, here's the problem I have is that I have certain things that I look for, but I don't know if they're, traditionally acceptable to look for all of these things. I know that sounds horrible, but like I pay attention to things like what's going on in somebody's life. Like, you know, um, what are their hardships? You know, are they, um, do they have a workplace from home? Um, do they have, like, for me, it's less about um, their skill set as far as like marketing or SEO or PPC. I mean, I definitely expect somebody to have that skill set, obviously, you know, otherwise they can't work that role. But where I really spend my time focused on as far as interviewing or hiring or trying to find the right people is really trying to solve that earlier part of the conversation of are they self-starters? All right. So one of the tests, I'll give you an example. One of the tests that I do um, is I hire people for a trial period. Um, and I give them some idea of what I expect from the role. And then I don't talk to them for like two or three days. Mm. And I wait. I wait to see, are they communicating to me? 
what did they do on their own? Did they learn something on their own? And I don't make it something that says, well, I'm not going to keep them or I'm going to keep them because ultimately it really comes down to whether or not they perform their job effectively. But it does tell me how to manage them. Are they going to be somebody that I can say, here's a conceptual project I want to accomplish now, go forth and accomplish it and expect that they're going to figure out all those components, test it out, and then come back with more like a solution instead of a list of problems? Um, or am I am I dealing with somebody that I need to micromanage a little bit more and kind of give you know tasks and maybe have you know a daily stand-up meeting in the morning for 15 minutes or you know so I do kind of spend a lot of time thinking about the 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 the, the qualities of a person who would be good remote working because of that initial conversation of how problematic can it can be if they can't or if they don't know how to do that. Janice or Lauren? You know, Janice, Janice does most of the, the direct hiring and SEJ, but I would say like from my experience um, hiring um, on the agency side and just like working with people, I, I really like hiring people that are new to something and can grow. So of course they have to have like the ability from work to work from home and attention to detail and things like that. But I think all in all, like the most success that I've had from an employer as an employer standpoint is looking for self-starters that say an SEO already have a blog or already have some kind of a small business that they're already used to running and are open to um, open to new ideas and they're looking for new ideas and and they're open to experimentation uh, you know with what they're doing or from a work standpoint or they can look at a client account and think of it in 10 different ways and, and try to apply things there. Um, and when I think historically uh, at SEJ with uh, the hires and things that we've had in the past, um, you know, some of the, some of the mo more difficult roles to hire for were things like sales, where we tried to hire traditional salespeople who had worked with traditional media sales in the past and they basically flunked. Um, but when we, uh, when we, um, Jessica Cromwell, right. Who now directs all sales and had directed events in the past. She, um, she had started at SEJ in a project management slash assistant role. Um, very organized, very good from a customer service standpoint. And we decided to, uh, give her a chance, um, on the, the sales side, just really because of her customer service background which was a big plus and the ability to have someone in that role that knew the company from the inside out um helped to give someone to have someone that was transparent and trustworthy in that role which is very challenging to find from a sales perspective sometimes so i think in those ways hiring internally and hiring self-starters and then growing them really helped so i would say you know, look for people like that, that you can nurture into what you want them to be, as opposed to hiring someone who already is what you think they should be. Janice, any thoughts you want to add to that? Yeah, I love that. That all rings true for me in terms of the things that I think about um, when I'm hiring for someone within the company. I think that working for a company, it's not, they, may be, they might be perfect for the job in terms of the responsibilities, 
it may not be perfect in terms of a fit, in terms of um, number one, uh, working as we do 100% virtual in five different time zones uh, that can be um, not structured enough for some people who, for example, uh, primarily uh, have a background in corporate world. And so they're used to having a very structured work day um, and or a very structured workload, very predictable. And, you know, they just need to sort of, you know, clock in from a metaphorical standpoint and um, plow through the work that's been set in front of them and then go home. You know, this type of role in the virtual world where, you know, you can't have people standing over your shoulder. And so it means that your day needs to be structured by you. It means that the type of work that you're gonna do um, needs to be structured by the person doing it uh, versus a boss whose office is right outside of yours um, or you know is used to checking in or being very directive about what to do and how to do it. Um, I know that in our company, we have a hands-off management style that's uh, where we try to manage by goals versus, you know, what it, versus what did you do today? But, um, you know, here's what you need to get done and by when, you know, and um, how you get that done and when you get that done is up to you. And not everybody's comfortable with that type of uh, workplace or, you know, unstructuredness to, you know, a company's sort of backbone. And so you may have employees that are that way and they're now having to adapt to this world that they're uncomfortable with. And I think staying in touch with them and you know, crafting perhaps maybe a transitional uh, schedule um, or timeline for them where you're checking in with them maybe once a day and then weaning them off to every other kind of thing. Um, maybe something that they need, but throwing folks like that into the pool um, where it's not a place they're comfortable with is setting them up for failure. And that's um, on the person accountable for that is management, um, not the person who's trying to uh, make the transition unsuccessfully. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So one other issue, of course, would be sort of creating culture, which is you know, very difficult when you're 100% virtual. So uh, what are some things that you all have done to try and create a, a company culture when, you know, we have some people who may never meet each other in real life. So how does, how does that all work? I think we still have somebody we haven't all met. Isn't it Angel? Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, Angel's been with us for two, two years. years. Yep. She's your assistant, your editorial assistant, Danny. Yep. And not only have you never met her in person, but none of us have as she's in the Philippines. Now, I, actually I take that back. So the team in the Philippines, as we have several people there, they have all met together, um, you know, and that's, and again, offsites I think are important. In-person interaction still is important in a virtual workplace. And so we've given them budget to get together on a regular basis in person. It's difficult there because they have massive uh, traffic um, and uh, uh, commute issues, but um, they've managed to do an overnight 
um, at a, a for a small uh, employee getaway. And they brought their families. Uh, they've gotten together for dinners um, as a way to, even though they may not be working directly with each other all the time, um, it gives them, I think, a, a great sense of of community. And so, um, you know, how do you? What what? Okay, I'm going to interview Brent and Lauren. What would you say are Alpha Brand Media's values? Like, what's the first one that comes to mind? that we allow people in our company the opportunity to control their own career and their own workflow and and have ideas and projects you know i always respected the idea that google would give their employees like 10 percent of time to work on whatever they wanted right and i think that like we really do that in alpha brand with our people we really give them a chance to like you know you have an idea okay research it pitch it Okay, you want some budget for it? Here's some budget. You know, what's your goals? Go forth, try it out. How did it work? Did it turn out great? And if it turns out good, then we end up, you know, taking care of them for that and getting them involved in the project. And and sometimes there's compensation for that, and sometimes there's, you know, um, you know, kudos for that. But I think everybody on the team would feel like they're a part of a family. That everybody's there to listen to them. I think that, um, you know, one of the things I was going to add, you know, after you got done was that I think that you have to take the time to have personal conversations. You have to ask people how they're doing, what are they doing, what games are they playing? You know, we laugh, me and Lauren laugh about Fortnite. I mean, we, we do that not because we play next to each other and we know we play like that, but because we talk about those type of things and we talk about that with the whole team. And that's how we know what people are dealing with when people have personal issues in their life, when they have a family member that passes away or they're having some financial issues. We know about those things and we talk with them and we help them out. We provide guidance and that makes us, you know, the world word family comes up from everyone on a regular basis. Um, we're like a family and we care about each other greatly. Yeah, I would agree. I, I'd, I'd say like the two words that come to my mind are sharing and transparency. Like we've been sharing SEO information, techniques, training for free for 17 years, right? To people that read Search Engine Journal. Um, we also do that internally. So we really encourage our teams to, to learn as much as possible. And I love it when, um, you know, us giving people the space to innovate and do projects on their own. Like we were on a call the other day where, where like Paulo, who runs all of our graphics and design at SEJ, put to, he put together a branding initiative. And I was like, employee, yeah. eight years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh, wow. So yeah, we're, we're doing brand, like real branding now, like the stuff that, you know, <laughs> all these large companies do when they try to figure out which font to use with the logo or something like that, right? So that's really cool to see. And, and it's also cool to see that someone like uh, Paulo has the trust to present that to us, what he's been spending his time on. Um, I would also say like, you know, to kind of turn this question around a little bit too, like Danny, you manage everyone from an editorial perspective, what would you say the, the editorial culture is at SCJ, not only with our staff, right, mm -hmm. but also our contributors as well? Like what kind of feedback or what kind of, um, what kind of sense of community are you seeing on that side? Um, I was actually just thinking of this. Um, you know, for me personally, I think, uh, you know, just from the inside, I think respect, you know, sort of ties into a lot what Brent was saying, you know, we really respect the people that we work with, you know, we want to make sure 
we're making life easy for them because they're helping us out, especially with the contributors. You know, they're they're donating their time to help better the community and help raise other people up. So I, the word that definitely came to mind was definitely respect. You know, you know, we respect everyone's time. Um, and you know, if, if they're going through a hardship, you know, we give them leeway because, you know, if somebody dies, family comes first for us, you know, we're not, you know, going to worry if they they miss a deadline here and there, you know? Uh, so that would be, ver- that would be my word respect. I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it, I think it starts with that. Yeah. Yeah. And Um, you know, I've said this on our calls too, the, you know, uh, I've worked some for some companies and alpha brand and search engine journal has been the best one without a, without a doubt, because the support is there uh, from you three for everyone, which is amazing. Um, There's no politics. There's no drama. We resolve things like adults, you know, it's, it's just great to see, you know, because things go wrong, but you know, we don't turn on each other. We, we respect each other. We talk things through and we resolve them. And I wish more places could do that as well as we do. Oh, <laughs> I'll give you $5 after the call. Thank you. Oh, only five. sponsored. Yes. <laughs> CJ management. Yes. But yeah. So yeah. Uh, what else did we want to talk about? So Brent, you had mentioned processes, which was something I actually didn't have as a question, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about some of the processes that uh, you yeah, guys I have really, put in place to help. I, I really sat back and thought about like, I have five key things that I think are fundamental that I've really taken away. Mm-hmm. One, you absolutely have to have a routine. You know, mm-hmm. in my mind, you like you wake up at the same time. And I know people will say, oh, well, you can have a range, whatever. You generally wake up at the same time. You go, you do your morning routine. You sit down for work. Right? I cannot emphasize how much a routine has helped me to be productive. Right? To know that I'm getting my cup of coffee. I don't go and I'm, I'm maybe I'm weird. I don't do pajamas. I actually dress for work. I don't put a suit on, but I dress for work. I sit down at my desk and I work. And I have a routine, right? Um, The second thing that I think is really um, important for me, at least, what I've found is to work from one spot. Like, I don't go and work on my couch and at my kitchen table and in my living room and then over in the den. I work at my office. I have a corner in the area that is defined as my office. And when I'm working, I'm there. And when I walk away from that, I get that feeling like um, of being away from work. I think that you can start to feel like you work 24 hours a day and you never get away from your work when you work from home. And I think that psychologically, it's really important to have a a separation. Either it's a room or it's an area of the house that when you leave that area, you're now home and you're not at work. And when you go into that area, you're now at work. Um, And I think that has been really helpful for me. Um, My first real boss in marketing gave me a a statement one time when I was doing goals review and he said, productivity is not the same as activity you can stay active working as hard as you can every day all day and never get anything done so i am really big about focusing on productivity so i have a whole bunch of notes around my um my uh desk but what i'll do is every day when i sit down with that cup of coffee 
I find one to three things that I can accomplish that day. Something, even if it's a part of a task that I can accomplish. And I write it down on one post-it note and I stick it there and I focus on finishing number one, then number two, and then number three. And I mm -hmm. try not to be deviated from that in any way. Um, this, the, the, the fourth thing is that you are going to get unmotivated. It happens. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I will step away from work and find something around the house. Accomplishing a task like dishes or laundry or fixing something gives you a sense of knocking something off the list. And a lot of times it can restart that productivity in your work. So if I find myself kind of, you know, screwing around or whatever, I'll get up and go accomplish some task that I need to accomplish around the house anyway, come back and then I can find that productivity comes back. And the last thing is, is that with my team and with people I work with, I start every day with a 15 minute meeting. After I get down, I write my notes out, I get my coffee, I ping my team and I say, let's meet for 15 minutes. And I'm focused most, this is from the agile workflow, but the idea is that I'm really looking for roadblocks. I'm looking for people to tell me what's keeping them from accomplishing the job. And I think this is really important because I don't know how many times as a group we have sat around and somebody has said, hey, you know what? I really want to get this person as a guest on a podcast or on a webinar. I'm like, I know that person personally. Do you want me to just email them real quick? And they'll be like, yeah, could you do that? Or I'd, I want to get into this ad network. Oh, yeah, I actually know the person who works there. Do you want me to? So by communicating where we're having issues, I think we always seem to find somebody who has a better solution or a quicker solution or a solution that helps. So starting each day off with a quick 15 minute meeting with your team that lets you talk about what you're working on and what's your roadblocks, I think that can help you be really productive. So those are my tips for working from home and kind of staying productive and staying sane. I'm a huge stickler for routines as well. So I'll just go through my routine really quickly. I get up early. I try to get up before everyone in my house does because I really like that one to two hours of time for me to do my own thing. Whether that's catching up or getting ahead of the day or whether that's like watching Cobra Kai on YouTube TV uh, for okay. 30 minutes or something like that, right? Just like, but it's just like my time. And I really like that silent time in the morning before the day starts. Uh, then typically I take a break to get my, my son ready for school, take him to school or whatever. And I'm off during that time. Like I'm not going to check my phone on the way to school and stuff like that. Right. So then I get back and I, and I work and I have my day and I have most of my activities throughout my day scheduled ahead of time in my calendar. Really important. I love Google calendar, even for like personal things. I use it all the time too. Um, since I get up so early to start working, I make it a point that around three o'clock in the afternoon, my meetings are over and I have a little bit of downtime because if you're waking up at 4 a.m. to work, you really shouldn't be working straight till like 4 p.m. Or, or 5 p.m., right? So I have a little bit of downtime. That's time that I can go to the UPS store, go to the bank and stuff like that. I consider that downtime, but it really is work at the end of the day. Um, or I can hop on and play some Madden or something like that, right? And it helps me kind of zone out. That's my meditation time playing Madden. So like it helps me zone out, clear my head, and then get back to like what else I have to do throughout the rest of the day. Um, the only day I take off entirely is on a Saturday because I used to work all night Friday, work on the weekend. I'd be like on the computer trying to get stuff done. And I learned very quickly that you can burn yourself out that way. Mm -hmm. and, and Saturday, I am completely off, right? Sunday, I will in the morning while I'm having coffee or something like that check in, see if there's anything important going on, maybe use some time in the afternoon again to get ahead of the upcoming week. 
and Sunday is kind of like, like my on and off day. And for my family, everyone gets to do their own thing on Sunday as well. So that works out really perfectly. But yeah, routine, routine, routine. And then making sure that you're taking the time for yourself, exercise, hobbies, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. Uh, Janice, did you want to share any um, sort of processes that you use for yourself? You know, I was going to poo-poo the whole meter routine thing. Um, but I'm realizing I have because I, I don't have – my day isn't specifically very structured, but it does have a routine. I do tend to get up at the same time, and I run downstairs and make a coffee and make breakfast for my kid and take a look at what I've got going on for the day, meeting-wise. Um, I do use my calendar religiously for even documenting, you know, um, personal tasks or, you know, I know that I have to, uh, there's Instacart's coming to deliver groceries, I'll put that on the calendar or um, something that I've been putting off or I keep forgetting to do, I'll put it on the calendar. I use reminders a lot. Um, and I think that I do have a routine, you know, I'll probably work until, I mean, sustained work until maybe four-ish, and then, you know, kind of check in. Now, I, my daughter's here, it looks like school's not going to be back in session um, for the rest of the year, so what does that look like? Uh, what's for dinner? What, you know, are we making something that's going to take a little more time or a little less time today, and factoring that in? And one thing I need to get better about, actually, is... Um, and the people in general should get better about is or two things. One is giving yourself permission to take a break. Not that I'm working, like I don't want to make it look like I'm a workaholic and I'm so busy. Uh, but I do feel a little weird about taking a nap in the afternoon. Sometimes I really want to though, but then I feel guilty about it. <laughs> Just do it. I love I mean, it. I love taking yeah. a nap. You I know, can't. It, it's, there's, there's lots of studies that say a 20 minute nap is, um, it can recharge you, reset your brain, really good for people. It feels a little odd, like, huh, you know, I guess I might as well turn on daytime TV or something and eat bonbons or whatever. But I think you have to give yourself permission and not feel guilty about doing those things. And be sure to get social time in. Um, you know, uh, I think I haven't been out of the house in a week and that was just to pick up my daughter. Um, so I've got uh, regular and also unscheduled video chats with friends and with family, um, getting that virtual FaceTime in with with people. It's really important to people. There, there's, again, lots of studies that show that a person's longevity is singularly linked to um, the types of social connections a person has um, and how often they're in contact with other people, how social they are, literally extends your life. And so, you know, the daily grind of being isolated, whether you're at home with your family uh, or on your own, I think people, I think it, it really is beneficial to be proactive about seeking out and maintaining your social connections. It might be a Sunday morning, regular Sunday morning call with your mom, or I have a regular night that I get together with some of my girlfriends on Zoom. We just have a glass of wine and no, no set agenda. We just chat about whatever. And it's it's great to have that to look forward to. Um, and part of how I'm staying sane um, and, and staying at home. Mm -hmm. Did you do the Zoom wine thing before Corona? Or is that? No. Mm -mm. No. Mm -mm. 
I mean, we would just get together in person, you know, and usually be an after, you know, hey, let's meet up for dinner and have a drink. But um, because we all live close enough that, you know, most of them are here and where I live. But I have been doing video calls and FaceTime with my mom, um, which we never really used to do before. So it's, it's nice finding new ways to connect and finding new things out about people. I think, I guess, is this one of the silver linings. COVID-19. Yeah. I've been reaching out to the dads that I hang out with, like outside of Kumon and Taekwondo in the afternoons, just because I miss that like dad hangout time. So like, well, now we'll text back and forth and make dad jokes and send memes to each other, which is what awesome. we used to do standing outside most of the time anyway. So that time's uh, really good to have. So I know we're just about out of time. Um, I just wanted to give all three of you one last chance. Uh, if you have sort of any final thoughts or takeaways for people, um, you know, just just about going virtual. Any final thoughts? Uh, Brent, I'll throw it to you first. Yeah, I mean, I would just take this opportunity to realize this is the future. I mean, it was the future before this virus, but it's mm-hmm. the future for sure now. Yep. Um, and take the time to really learn and structure your program test it get it together because you've got a good couple months before this is going to be really normal and then from that point forward if you have your process and your workflow and you're you're productive then that's those steps that we always talk about getting ahead just like getting ahead in seo or getting ahead in ppc or getting ahead in social get ahead in this new workflow and you're going to be more valuable you're going to have better opportunities for jobs you're going to have more success in the work that you're trying to accomplish you're going to have know how to structure things better so just take this as a an opportunity to jump forward and be you know really in a great position in a couple months to be successful absolutely lauren any final thoughts yeah again get on top of things put together a routine eliminate distractions while you're working and make the most of distractions during that time that you're not working to, to get that all into your life as well. And if you can take an eight-hour day and squeeze it down into two hours um, and get rid of commuting, that gives you a lot more time to do things that are work-related and not work-related. So it's really a huge opportunity to grab right now. Janice, any final thoughts you'd like to share? Uh, I would say to all the managers out there, whether you lead a team or whether you own a company, um, you have some folks working for you, reach out to your people to find out how they're doing and not and go deeper than how are you doing, but dig into their workflow, their communications, what kind of new struggles or challenges do they have uh, now that they are at home? Um, it might be around... Um, communicating uh, deadlines or or brainstorming, but helping them find solutions, um, you know, putting those platforms in place. And again, not just buying an account and hoping they figure it out, but actually doing your job as a manager and facilitating the adoption of new workflows or new platforms or new way of communicating, uh, being the example of how to use those new platforms and communications and maybe you're trying to get folks to move from email to uh, jumping on a video chat you know be that example and start doing it yourself you know think about how you can be of service to your people and not how they can be of service to you because they'll figure that out once you put the tools in place and they are in a culture and a team and a company where they feel supported and that you're looking out for them you're not going to find all the answers you're going you're going to have problems that are going to continue to come up 
no solution is going to be perfect. But as long as your people feel like you're making your best effort to support them, um, whether it's buying a new tool or um, you know uh, serving as an example or helping folks work out a conflict uh, that they now have to figure out to do virtually because they can't uh, come uh, together in a in a meeting room the way they used to in the office. You know, you're, that, that work that you're putting in now is going to pay dividends later for you and your team. That does it for this edition of the Search Engine Journal Show. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. A big thanks to our fantastic guests, Janice Henriksen, Lauren Baker, and Brenza Torres. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. This has been a really great discussion. Uh, please tune in again next week for another great episode. Our new episodes drop every Thursday morning. So make sure to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and help us spread the word if you are enjoying this show. You can follow Search Engine Journal at SE Journal on Twitter and you can also find us on Facebook and LinkedIn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Mr. Danny Goodwin. So long and thanks for listening. Hey there, I'm not Prince Torres. I'm not Danny Goodwin. And I'm not Lauren Baker. That's Greg Finn and Jess Budd, and I'm Christine Zernhaus. If you listen to the Search Engine Journal show, we think you'll love our critically acclaimed SEJ network podcast, Marketing O'Clock. Join us every week as we report the latest SEO, PPC, and social media marketing news. This is a show for real-life marketers who want to do great work. And because we're IRL marketers too, we know you're talking about attribution, schema, and CPCs all day long. So we keep it light with plenty of spicy hot takes, puns and rants. Plus, we talk about what's working hard and what's hardly working in our accounts and share what news stories have us saying WTH every week. So if you're ready to become a better marketer, subscribe wherever you consume podcasts and listen to new episodes fresh for you each and every Friday morning. Only on the SEJ Network.